CCBR has teams crisscrossing across the nation this year. Why are we doing it? Today, I'm joined by Jonathan Van Maren, Communications Director of CCBR, to talk all about the why behind the Faces of Abortion Tour. Stay tuned. Hi, folks. My name is Cam. I am the host of the Pro-Life Guys podcast, a show dedicated to equipping you with the tools to have compassionate and compelling conversations about abortion so together we can change minds save lives and transform our culture thank you for bearing with me as i've said over the last number of episodes it is a chaotically busy time at ccbr and so i appreciate your patience in episodes going up late and some weeks not having episodes at all uh, we will be getting back to a number of different kind of more circumstantial conversations as well but in today's episode i'm joined by my friend and colleague jonathan van maren i'm communications director for the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform, parent organization for the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Um, and he and I sit down and chat about the why behind the tour that we're doing right now. So our Western team right now, time of recording, and I believe time of posting as well, um, is in Regina, Saskatchewan. Um, our Eastern team is making their way across the maritime provinces into Quebec. Um, by time of posting, they will likely be all the way through Quebec and getting back into Ontario. Um, so why are we doing this? Um, I, I had the opportunity to sit down with Blaze Elaine a couple of weeks ago to talk through the what behind the tour, what to expect, what we're doing, um, all that kind of thing. I think that uh, my conversation with Jonathan here is a very, very good conversation as well for the why behind this, why Canada needs to see the, base, the faces of these abortion victims. And not only that, not only the general public, but why pro-lifers like you and I, leaders, dormant volunteers, whatever it may be, people within the pro-life movement as well need to come face to face with these victims so that we can really kind of evaluate how are we responding and are there ways that we can be responding which can change hearts and change minds. And so without further ado, here's my conversation with Jonathan Van Maren. All right, Jonathan, back in the saddle again. How are you doing, sir? Pretty good. Did a couple of talks on our faces of abortion tour. Uh, next week, we're doing Cornwall and Windsor. So everybody's in full swing at CCBR, as you know, in the West as well. Yeah, absolutely. Time of recording. We've got teams in, we got the Western team in Regina right now. We've got the Eastern team tracking their way through the Maritimes, which is super cool. And, and I'm thrilled to dive into this episode where we're going to talk a little bit more about the, uh, what I've been calling the why episode. We had Blaze on a couple of weeks ago to kind of talk through the what, what are we doing? What are, what are people going to expect? All that kind of thing. Um, I, I'm excited to dive a little bit deeper with you, Jonathan, to talk a little bit more about the why behind the tour. And, and in many ways, um, I'm not trying to make you blush by saying this, but like you've been really the mastermind behind this. We've been talking about a Faces of Abortion tour for a number of years now. And I guess like just kind of set the stage for the audience with, with regards to your approach to the Faces of Abortion tour. When did this really come on your radar and why did you think it was important for us to launch a a tour that was going to hit all 10 provinces, um, really exposing and focusing on the faces of abortion victims. And from there, we can crack open into a, a, any number of different topics. But why, <laughs> why did this come on your radar? So to begin with, so the, the first strategy meetings, as you'll recall, uh, for, for this tour happened pre-COVID. So, so this, this project kind of evolved because first it was delayed by a couple of years. Um, but the initial rationale was the fact that there's a lot of people across Canada who are very interested in getting involved. Um, at this, but CCBR focuses primarily in the greater Toronto area, um, 
with smaller offices in, in Vancouver and Winnipeg. And it had always been part of CCBR's national plan to expand eastwards as opportunity allowed. Uh, so to connect with people who are willing to do activism. But one of the things we really wanted to do is to introduce people to the victims of abortion in a way uh, that would be far more impactful than simply showing them the brutality of abortion. And I know uh, Blaise Elaine mentioned uh, Dr. Monica Miller, and I know she's been on the podcast before, but it's really impossible to talk about this concept without mentioning her. Because um, when I went to a, a summit for pro-life leaders on the question of what we then called graphic images uh, in 2013, uh, it was Dr. Monica Miller who pointed out that uh, the reason we are so impacted by these images is not because they're graphic or gory. It's because we're seeing another human being that's had injustice inflicted on him or her. And as the Scheidlers would, would frequently point out, these are the only baby photos uh, that these children ever received. And so what the Faces Tour was all about was really um, introducing people to the victims of abortion, because we have in Canada and every country where legal abortion regimes exist, these sort of two incompatible uh, but coexisting realities. Uh, you know, you have the reality of, you know, the beautiful summer days that we're currently living through, our friends, our families, all the wonderful things God has blessed us with. And then you have this, you know, very sinister subterranean reality where in this country, around 300 babies are brutally killed every single day. And those realities rarely ever merge, which is why it's so easy for people to ignore the fact that abortion is going on, right? Greg Cunningham famously said, the sewers of our cities run red with the blood of unborn children. And he wasn't exaggerating. Uh, this is this is actually true. Um, and so what we really wanted to do was to introduce people to the victims of abortion in a new and powerful way and to facilitate really a face to face experience, because in our experience, the way that people are motivated to join the pro-life movement is by actually seeing the victims, because. One of the things that's interesting about abortion victim photography is one of the reasons pro-life leaders are so persuaded of their effectiveness is for most pro-life leaders, they got involved because they had an encounter like that themselves. That's true for Monica Miller, for Lila Rose, for Troy Newman, for Mark Harrington, for Scott Klusendorf. If you start going through the, the major leaders of the pro-life movement, every single one of them got involved because they had a face-to-face -face encounter with an abortion victim and those two realities collided. And so our Faces of Abortion Tour um, was intended to ensure that those two realities were colliding for millions of Canadians across the country. And we really, uh, by going to all 10 provinces, wanted to emphasize the fact that we are a national Canadian movement seeking to reach Canadians right across the country. Yeah, and I want to dive into that a little bit deeper. I, I briefly talked about the idea with Blaze about kind of these three categories of people that I think that we're going to be reaching through this tour. We're going to be reaching the Canadian public, people that support abortion, people who have never really thought about abortion before. That's kind of our first and in many ways, one of our biggest categories or most important categories. But I think the other two are equally valuable in that the, the pro-life leaders across Canada and people who are already holding the torch, but maybe they're getting burnt out. Maybe they're getting weary. Maybe they are starting to look for replacements, that kind of thing, as well as the third group that is kind of, I mean, you have given more and more um, presentations. I, I feel like inside house speak, sometimes we call them rubber chicken dinners. You have given di um, presentations at pro-life groups across the country. And while there's always probably a, a very small contingent of people who rush up to the stage after you're done your talk and shake your hand and want to share stories with you, I'm sure that you've probably noticed even more so than I have 
the majority of people there are mostly there for something of a social experience. They they mm-hmm. pay their fifty dollar membership fee. They they come out to the the annual thing, but that's really the only time abortion actually hits them. And so maybe let's start with that group of people, the group of people who, sure, their name is on a membership list, but they've never really taken on active leadership or or really stretched themselves, made sacrifices. Generally speaking, with regards to their time, their treasure, their talent for these preborn children. Why do you think? Focusing a tour on the faces of the abortion victim, what what kind of message do you think that they will have to receive and why they should not only make sure they, they attend one of our talks, but also what mm-hmm. they should anticipate taking away from one of these talks? It's interesting because there's there's two things uh, that I would say about that particular group of people, which I would argue is, is the majority of pro-life people. Right? We call them dormant pro-lifers, which is to say they're against abortion, um, but they, they don't really feel motivated to do anything about that. But I think they're unmotivated largely for two reasons. One is because abortion has never become real to them. Abortion is, is on a long list of things that they you know oppose based on their religious background, based on their ethical background, right? And so abortion falls into the same category as as other issues. And I find that a lot of people see abortion as an issue um, of morality rather than justice. Now, justice issues are, of course, also morality issues. But I would argue, for example, that there's a very significant difference between, say, contraception and abortion. Um, people would, would admit, regardless of their position on it, that contraception is obviously a moral issue, regardless of where you fall on it. Uh, but abortion is, is a justice issue. We have a real victim that's being really horribly killed. And the reason it's so important to introduce people to the victims is to, uh, to help them realize or remember um, or re-motivate them to understand that we are talking about an issue fundamentally of justice, not just about morality. The second uh, thing... Uh, I think it's something that you've noticed as well. One of the first things I noticed when I started doing the uh, the rubber chicken dinners, as you called them, um, is that the vast majority of people that I met had never seen anybody change their minds on abortion before. And so for them, going to a pro-life dinner to indicate their support of the pro-life cause was one of the few things that they actually had the opportunity to do, right? Unless you have a good crisis pregnancy center in your area and you can volunteer there or maybe donate diapers or, or something like that. There, there wasn't a whole lot of tangible action that you could take on behalf of preborn children. And so what we're already finding in our initial talks is that a lot of people, um, when they when they see the testimonies, when they see this huge team of interns, all of whom have stories about people changing their mind, even though they've you know only been with us since May, Um, They're like, wow, this is something that we can do. This is incredibly empowering. And one of the stories I share in in my version of the Faces talk is we're all kind of, we're all focusing on the same concepts, but of course, all these talks are personalized. Um, For me, I I very much felt that way. The first time I did activism with abortion victim photography, I realized that I didn't actually have to be uh, passive, that there was something that I could actually do, that these very simple arguments and strategies resulted in changed minds. And so I think there's a really, really large percentage of people who simply aren't aware of how simple it is to do effective pro-life outreach and the very real results they can see come from that. Absolutely. And and I know that both of our legs of the tour are a little bit different. I, I can speak from my vantage point in the Western tour. So uh, my colleague Quan and I, who are going to feature again coming up in the next couple of weeks here, um, we did the, the tour talks from Regina. We did one on the Friday night and the Saturday night. We had just over 60 people come to the two of them. And of that, most of them had never been incredibly actively involved in the mm-hmm. pro-life movement. A few of them had been. But from that group of just over 60 people, we had over 20 people book in for an individual apologetics workshop within the next week. 
And so our return interns have been working overtime to equip all of these people with the tools they need to have the conversations and part of the workshop. So they sign up for a two hour time slot. They get an hour and a quarter training workshop, one-on-one -on -one style, and then they go out door knocking for 45 mm. minutes. And so already these people are coming in, they're getting trained, they're going out and they're seeing people shift in their opinion. I know some of them have seen people change their mind entirely. Many of them are seeing them shift slightly or, or even at the very least think about abortion in a very different way than they'd ever thought about it before. And so yeah. these people, like you said, who really haven't had the opportunity to see and, and be part of significant change are already rescheduling their weeks so that they can get this training from our, our return interns and get right out there and, and start making a difference. We're excited to be able to launch a, a Regina Against Abortion uh, in the coming months here. And, and that's been one of the really cool vantage points that I've been able to see. No, 100%. And, uh, so I do think that a lot of people um, who are inactive or dormant are inactive and dormant because they aren't aware of the opportunities for effective outreach. And I want to emphasize here that what I'm describing is, is sort of a sociological aspect um, of, of how this looks. Um, this is not to, to, to call anybody out or to claim that we're better, because one of the things that I think um, is important to note is that every pro-lifer has a point where they went from inactive to active. And one of the reasons I'm so passionate about introducing all of those people to the victims of abortion, because for me, for again, many, many pro-life leaders, including you know the majority of our staff, um, their catalyst to move from, from inaction to action was that experience. And one of the reasons that we are doing the Faces of Abortion Tour is to facil facilitate that meeting, to facilitate that experience for others. Because one of the questions I ask in, in my version of the Faces talk is, if tomorrow, um, all of the churches, uh, the culture started to take abortion as seriously um, as all the churches who, who claim to be pro-life. Would it make any difference at all to the babies? Mm. And that's a question we have to ask ourselves. What if, what if a large portion of the culture is, is taking abortion precisely as seriously as, as, as most of us who call ourselves pro-life? And I think that's a, a good question to ponder. Absolutely. And and I think that's a great takeaway for everybody, including mm -hmm. the, that second group of people, right? The, those pro-life leaders. And I'm curious about your thoughts on that. I mean, you've obviously worked not only behind the scenes with a number of the, the pro-life leaders that we're connecting with as we make our way across Canada, the... the um, Ted Gurks, the, the, mm -hmm. um, Tim Scatlips, all of these people all the way across Canada who've been holding this torch for so long. What do you think the value is for them coming to a talk like this? And, and I guess in my mind, seeing these teams of 15, 20 young people who have made sacrifices, what do you think a takeaway can be for them? And why do you think it'd be important for them to be able to um, be a part of this basis of abortion tour? So one of the things that I think is important uh, for older leaders is to realize that one of their primary tasks is to enable young people, um, is to ensure that young people have the ability, everything that they need to get out there and to do outreach. And, and most leaders are frankly overjoyed uh, by, by this. And one of the reasons they want to work with CCBR is because they look at the fact that CCBR is going to have 80 people working full time to end the killing for most of the summer. And they're like, how did you do that? And the answer that we always give them is if you give people something to do that's effective and they get to experience that effectiveness for themselves, they want to come back, which is why we have so many you know, returning team leaders and returning interns. The second interesting thing about the the, the, the place that the pro-life movement is at right now is that a lot of the, the sort of the, the, the leaders who started it all, a lot of the leaders who were the initial first responders 
to the decriminalization of abortion in 69 and, and the years thereafter, um, are very elderly and are retiring, right? Our good friend John Hoff in Vancouver is now retired. Uh, Jim Hughes of Campaign Life Coalition is now retired. I don't think that Gwen Landolt will retire until she takes her last breath, but she's very elderly now. Um, and so a lot of the leaders who kind of, you know, did a, lo a lot of the initial work and, and were the first responders um, are retiring. And so a lot of these, these um, um, organizations are kind of in flux. You have a lot of, you have some right to life groups that because they haven't been able to pass that torch on are closing down. Right, Vancouver Right to Life no longer exists. United for Life BC no longer exists. Uh, and then you have other Right to Life groups that are just looking for how they can rejuvenate the organization. And, and as they, a lot of them hit these periods of transition and leadership, um, they're looking for new projects to take on in a Canada more hostile to free speech than it's been in decades, um, in a country where um, our government is, is incredibly extreme on the issue. And I think uh, uh, CCBR on our tour is providing an answer to the question, what can we do to fight abortion in this country effectively? Absolutely. And and one thing that, that dawned on me, I was talking with Terry Bergen, who's part of um, Saskatchewan Pro-Life, Regina Pro-Life, and, and talking about how for all of these groups that are in a little bit of a transitional time looking for the next person to kind of take on the torch and, and take that baton on to the next leg of the journey, this can be an incredible recruitment ground. Obviously, we at CCPR, we're, we're drawing people into our volunteer teams, recruiting our for our internships next summer, all that kind of thing. But for a a leader, for a board member, for people to come and see the excitement of the CSPR team, but also who is it that's coming out to these faces of abortion mm -hmm. tour and, and looking at, okay, there's a number of young people, there's a number of middle-aged um, people, stay-at-home moms, whatever, like, like it doesn't not necessarily need to be just the young people, but who's passionate about this and who might be in a position to take up that baton and, and maybe come in with a, a notepad, a business card and, and trying to sign up a meeting for somebody that is clearly demonstrating a passion, clearly demonstrating willingness to take the next step for involvement this can be a great opportunity for local leaders to start that um, transition period to new ideas yeah. um, potentially younger blood all that kind of thing right well i want to emphasize here um that one one of the aspects of of the faces of abortion tour across country that is is that should be so clear to, to everybody is that the end the killing organization ccbr um, over this, the past five, six, seven years, especially, it's it's now a movement. It's we are the ones that put together the strategy based on historical social reformers from whom we took the strategy and the hard work put in by by a lot of other pro life leaders, and then we adopted it and adapted it for the Canadian abortion context. Um, but we're more than happy to provide all of our resources, all of our strategy to other organizations, and we've really had the opportunity to work with all kinds of different organizations and to introduce them to the strategy. And so I, I would say one of the things that's most encouraging for me is that I think that the, um, what we're looking at actually is an end the killing movement that's made up of all kinds of different organizations that aren't being, you know, they're not taking their orders from, you know, a head office in Ontario or Calgary. These are their own independent organizations that have adopted these strategies because they've recognized that they're effective. And so, you know, we work closely with, you know, um, Lethbridge Right to Life, Toronto Right to Life is a consistent partner in most of the big events that we put on. We've got community groups across the country. Niagara Against Abortions delivered 25,000 postcards in the last six months, right? They've got their own leadership. They've got their, um, the, their, own, their own group of volunteers. Um, and so they work with us, but they're very much um, their own organization. Um, and so what's been really encouraging to me is, is to see the opposition to our strategy in Canada almost entirely vanish as far as the establishment pro-life movement goes over the last several years. And to see so many organizations link arms with us 
and create a movement committed to showing people the truth about what's going on behind closed doors. Yeah, even to touch on that note, it's been cool here and again in Alberta from my vantage point of not only becoming uh, one of the keynote speakers at the Alberta March for Life, uh, a March for Life that that had some significant tension with CSPR for a number of years, I think it's fair to say, um, and then to be able to host an apologetics workshop with some of our tour talk con- um, content towards the end of it as well. Um, really cool to see a, a, a budding relationship there and how that's going to grow forward. The last one I want to throw you that kind of speaks towards pro-lifers before we get into a, a question or two about kind of the general public and the 10 provinces that we're hitting um, is the speakers on the tour. As you mentioned, you and Micah have done a couple of, of talks. I've done a couple of talks. Blaze is going to be a part of it. But I'm really excited, and especially because they're not here to defend themselves. Um, Katura and Kwana, um, maybe speak for a moment as to not only the new content that people are becoming. I mean, I'm sure there's a number of people in Southwest Ontario that have probably heard you speak on a number of occasions. That's no excuse to not come out and hear you and Micah speak again. But what what is the kind of excitement level for you as we introduce two new speakers, um, East and West, who will be contributing more and more to something of the public face of CCBR as we move into the years going forward? Well, I just think it's really important as the Emma Killing movement expands and CCBR is past the 10th anniversary now of creating the Emma Killing plan. And 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 guys like you and I, like we're like we're in our we're in our early 30s, but we're not, you know, when you're going outside high schools and you're talking to 15, 16 year olds, it's you know, the the age gap is 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 a lot larger than it used to be. And I think that one of the things uh, that that any movement needs is people who have experienced, learned a lot of things the hard way and you know, built a strategy from the ground up. And you need, you know, the youthful passion, you need this energy, you need you need a wide range of speakers who can speak to different issues with different levels of expertise and different focuses of expertise, because we need to be able to reach like, you know, me and Blaze, Blaze and I, pardon me, get to speak at the Canadian Physicians for Life conference every year to train medical professionals on how to talk about abortion and assisted suicide. But then we also have, you know, young speakers going into high schools, connecting with those students. I think any effective organization needs to utilize an always utilize younger speakers as well. Make sure they're getting trained. Make sure they're getting out there in front of audiences. Also, just from an organizational perspective, I've it's my very firmly held view after years of research and watching other groups um, that an organization should never be represented by one or two faces. Um, that for, for a movement to be primarily about the cause, uh, the people that we're reaching should have multiple points of, of, of access, multiple on-ramps into the organization, into the movement. And so, you know, um, I, you know, that's Couture, that's Quiana, Miranda, uh, Miranda King does talks, you do talks, I do, Blaze does, Micah, Justina. And I love the idea that this huge group of people that's coming behind the movement, all of these recruits that we're having, again, we've got well over 50 interns this year, that almost everybody gets recruited by somebody else. Because I think that organizations that are centered around one or two people, I think that's a weakness. Um, and I think CCBR right now, if we, I can toot our own horn a little bit, are doing quite an effective job of, of addressing that weakness by ensuring that we're constantly putting new, young, passionate speakers front and center to speak to their own experience, to speak to why they hate abortion and why they have joined the pro-life movement and why they've committed their lives. Uh, to this. So I'm not just excited about Kwan and Katura. I'm excited about um, a new generation of young speakers getting out there and reaching and, and, and reaching a new generation of activists. 
Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Last one I want to throw to you. We kind of started the conversation by talking about it. Let's finish it up by talking about the general public and why it's important and not only important, but I would say absolutely vital that Canadians come face to face with these victims of abortion, making this personal again. Um, I'm sure that there's gonna be a lot of places, especially as we continue our tour, the media is starting to pick up on this more and more. Um, and obviously, there are forces at work that are trying to censor the pro-life message and all that yeah. kind of thing. Um, with all of that kind of noise in the background sort of thing, why is it vital that Canadians come face to face with the victims of abortion in an all new way? And why is it vital that, especially in many of these new provinces, that they are catalyzed into action and activity because of a personal connection with the victim of abortion? The very simple answer, which we've discussed on on, on your show before, is that when that connection happens, people actually do change their minds, right? My sister's actually one of the interns this year. She's been texting me some of the, the stories that she's getting to experience. It's like, oh, I've never gotten, I've spoken in, in Prince Edward Island before, but I've never gotten to do activism in, in, in Prince Edward Island. I was kind of, I, I'm kind of jealous of some of the experiences that are be ha being had on the road. Um, but I, I think it's it's incredibly essential for the, those two worlds to collide. And that's what CCBR facilitates. One of the videos uh, that we've been showing on the Faces Tour, um, you, me, Blaze, we've all been showing this video of, of some of the pro-life activists in D.C. last year unpacking this box full of babies uh, that was going to be taken away by, by, a, by a medical waste company. Uh, but the driver of the truck let them let the, uh, them take the box in order to bury the babies. And I was I was trying to uh, ask myself why why is that video in some ways so much more um, so more so much more powerful than some of the other videos that we have uh, you know that also show um, these beautiful babies that have been dismembered by abortion. There's something about this video that hits you harder and more emotionally. And the conclusion I came to is that one of the reasons that those videos are, are so much more powerful, especially, you know, that, that scene of A.J. Hurley holding up one of the babies and begging people to do something about it is because in those videos, the two worlds are colliding. You see these two coexisting realities colliding in a single video. And it's not that those babies... Um, impact you any more than the babies that we show in other videos. It's the fact that they are interacting with people from above ground, as it were, that these babies sort of escaped the dumpster, escaped the incinerator, and they're there to speak to us, facilitated by pro-life activists who are there. Um, and so in Canada, we have a hidden reality. Um, and then we have the reality we all see around us. And, and the Faces Tour is facilitating a meeting between those two realities. And when that happens, we are seeing people change their minds already. The testimonies are already flowing in. You guys can head to CCBR's various social media accounts and watch those stories for yourself. Um, but it's, it's a necessary meeting. It's one we're committed to bringing all the way across the country. And, and babies in this country will end up in their mother's arms and not in dumpsters as a result. Amen. Amen. That is the goal. That is what we're, we're witnessing across Canada already. And that's what we're excited to be a part of over these next several weeks and, and for Western Canada, several months here um, to see this as a, a turning point, a catalyst towards further expansion within Canada's pro-life movement, empowering other groups to embrace the, the end killing strategy for changing hearts and minds on abortion so that together we can save lives and transform our culture. Jonathan, thanks a ton for joining the Pro-Life Guys podcast, um, as you so often do. It's always a joy to, to catch up with you. I'm sure that you've got Likewise. more stuff coming down the tube um, that we'll talk about on a future episode but thanks a ton for joining always a pleasure 
All right, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Jonathan about the why behind our Faces of Abortion tour. If you haven't already, um, tune in to one of our talks. We do have talks coming down the tube. Check out the website and thekilling.ca slash tour. Um, there are a few more tours um, stops coming up, particularly in the Okanagan through August and the lower mainland and Victoria area through um, July. And so please do join us for one of those. And as always, if you want CCBR to, to pop into your neighborhood, to do a talk at your high school, at your church, um, for your pro-life group, at your university, whatever it may be, don't hesitate, um, hesitate to reach out and contact us. You can do that on our website, prolifeguys.com. Click the tab for contact and book a presentation. So thanks a ton for tuning in. May God bless you abundantly wherever you're at, however many hours are left in your day.